welcome to Testers Island Discs, your most musical guide to software testing. My name is Mark Winteringham and I'll be your castaway companion. Hello everyone and welcome back to Testers Island Discs. Uh, it's episode 35 and I am joined with friend of Ministry of Testing, Mark Tomlinson. Um, Mark is a performance architect uh, for a small startup called Freedom Pay. And he's also a fellow podcaster. He's the podcast host for Perf Bytes, which have been around much longer than uh, Testers Island Discs have. So, you know, no pressure on me to uh, <laughs> knock out the goods. Uh, welcome, Mark. Welcome, Mark, I should say in reply. It's really nice to be back with you chatting. Uh, yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, no, it's 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 awesome, and I'm a I'm a big fan of this show when it when it first came out, and uh, not only do you get to learn like oh those are other great tunes, great music I've never heard before, uh, but you get these great insights to your your colleagues in testing. So yeah, I, yeah. I'm really glad it's it's continuing to go because it's cool. It's yeah, it certainly it had an influence on my Spotify recommendation list. Yeah, um, listening to some of the things that people have suggested, um, some of them have been a bit unexpected that I've actually gotten into. But it's yeah, it's awesome having that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Cool. So we're going to do this slightly differently, and this is going to be a bit exciting. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how this is going to go, but uh, we're going to give it a go nonetheless. So obviously, normally, like the format is, is that. Uh, I tend to ask a bunch of questions from our guest and then we just talk about a song and maybe the song's connected um, to what we're talking about. But we're going to do it slightly different here is that we're actually going to start with the songs and then Mark, you're going to tell us about stories related to these songs. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, uh, at least the the things that I, I actually have a lot of triggers. Uh, I'm, I'm a very triggered person, I can say. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's that, you know, context-based learning when, when like you were in college, in, in high school or, or, or school of some kind, and you, um, you got really drunk while you were studying uh, for the physics exam. And then you're like, now I have to go have a beer before I take the physics exam, just so I can recall studying the physics exam. Uh, and that kind of stuff. Now, I'm not saying go get drunk with your physics teacher and take your exams when you're drunk. I'm not saying that at all. If, but I am <laughs> saying, I'm saying for a lot of uh, the the heads down testing time that I enjoy, the introvert time, I've o I've always got headphones on. I always got a playlist. It helps me focus. And so when I go back and listen to some of these songs, and I listen to some from Testers Island Disc, I'm like. Oh yeah, hey, I can remember the project I was on, or the role I was in, or the mood of the customer, or the the app, and all that kind of. So it's always a trigger in, in memory for my career. I know it. Like I know what you mean. My example would be um, when I was back at university. I had a deadline that appeared earlier than I expected it was going to, so I had to pull an all nighter working on a project, mm -hmm. and I basically listened to the album Futures. Uh, by Jimmy Eat World. Oh, and the yeah. second half of that just reminds me of like working at 4 a.m. Uh, programming beats into Cubase, uh, going must get must must go quicker, must, must go get, quicker, must go get, quicker. Yeah, no, but that, um, that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. All right, then. So we should we should start with the first song. So uh, yeah, what we're going to do is give our listeners the opportunity to listen to it so they can get a flavor of the stories you're going to tell. So tell us a little bit about uh, track number one. So track number one is, uh, if you, I guess if you say it in proper Swiss fashion, it's Nick Bersch. Uh, but of course, that's for anyone that's actually like speaks from Switzerland, speaks some sort of weird French, Swiss, German thing that's probably just bastardizing the pronunciation of his name. Uh, but he's a pianist, uh, composer out of, uh, I think, Zur I want to say Zurich. Um, and uh, it, the group is called Ronin. And I think my wife and I first saw him uh, back in in portland oregon uh and uh, they just sort of blew their mind they have this concept of called zen funk and if you listen to the track you'll get this idea that there's kind of a zen undulating rhythmic component to it fantastic rhythm section great bass player uh by the way and uh and yeah it's from a cd called hold on and the, all of their songs are he, all of his compositions you might think this feels very jammy very improvised and loose um but they're all very very well written like a pianist a classically trained pianist everything's very very precisely composed almost mechanical but it's all performed there's no electronics there's no sequencing or anything 
um, but all of the all of the the things are sort of called modules. So this would be module forty one underscore seventeen. I have no idea what whether that's sequential numbering or when or what the seventeen means, but that's fine. It's module forty one seventeen. <laughs> That was Module 4117 by Nick Besh Ronin. I think I did that right. Yeah. Okay, so we've heard the track. Tell us the story. What does this remind you of? Ah, uh, so now when I listen to it, um, so classically as a performance testing, I'm an architect and, and a lot of the time I spend is dissecting send and receive traffic at, at the transport level of applications. So building these things called virtual users or scripts, we do them in JMeter or we do them in, uh, in other tools. Uh, and so the sequence or the, what I would say the rhythm of these calls, send, receive, send, receive, send, receive. And I was doing a lot of this work around the time that we were introduced to them. I remember it's sort of 2004, 2005. Uh, I, I want to say, yeah, 2005. And um, it was, I was working at Microsoft and doing some work on some really, really huge load test of something with, with a giant SQL server. So it takes me into the Microsoft stack. It was uh, running on HP hardware, big giant sand storage, Superdome. And it was sort of this, how the send receive rhythm, um, you could actually see and remember the flashing lights on the back end storage system <laughs> when you would go through these bursts. So I would hit the burst and it would go, you know, run, you know, like 10,000 transactions and you'd see all the disks light up and then they would go quiet. And then I'm like, oh, and then which disk did. So there was this weird sort of cadence in the rhythm of it should be like pulse and off and pulse and off like a bifurcated kind of signal uh, flow. And uh, so now when I when I have this song in my playlist and it has you know, it has that kind of cool undulating groove and there's also some Im it sounds like improvisation. But in my mind, I'm I'm improvising because I'm a musician. Also, I'm like I'm filling in improvisation and suddenly like building a script or building a scenario with 15 different scripts and transactions and a rhythm and a flow and it's going to have a ramp up and a steady so in like the basic construction for the rhythm of a load test or a, a, some kind of performance test that's where my brain goes in this like there is a cadence to how these the pacing and the the simulation goes that's you know you know it's got these great grooves mm. to them so yeah that's every, that's where my brain goes every time I think it's like when you say that sort of improvisation element though to the, the performance tests and the load tests that you're doing as well because I think sometimes people do forget that you need to add some variability in there. They don't have to be sort of strict. Um, they don't need to be very strict in terms of the requests that mm -hmm. you send. You want to add some randomization in there because users are going to be random as well in terms of how soon they're going to click a button they're not going to always click it all at the same time at the same point are they yeah and, and that's what i like sort of about uh the ronin compositions this zen funk um which is this idea that there isn't a soloist like you can kind of hear where a soloist would kind of take the lead of of a part of the song and it never happens it's just it kind of flows and molds and your brain starts to kind of like wow i'm hearing things um, and that's sort of the anticipation. I will say for good, good performance testing, you sort of start without the randomization, without the variability, 
so that you can really study the very specific sequence. So like when you're, when you're studying music, you'll sort of learn very straightforward. There's no feel, there's no swing on the beat. If you're ever studying drums or any instrument, you get right on the metronome and you practice that until your metronome is spot on. And then after that's in your soul, uh, as, as a musician, or even as a, as a tester, as I know exactly the sequence spot on for this, uh, this communication, this protocol, then you can say, all right, well now let's, now let's put some variability. Let's put some swing into it. So somebody goes click, click, click. Another, another user goes click, 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 you know, put those variabilities in there so you can see the difference between here is it, here's it, the same script run straight and here's the same script run with some randomness and that can, you can actually learn find bugs that way too. That's cool. I really like that. I like that idea of, yeah, improvising your rhythms. Um, but I mean, I, I'm currently recording an EP at the moment and I've written some particularly tricky lines. Mm -hmm. And so it's there sitting there with the metronome, just getting the technique right before I start to put in that sort of the dynamics in there and the yeah. making it sound more expressive. So I can absolutely relate to that. But I, I love that idea, yeah, of it's almost like that sort of, you know, you start with your, when you, whatever testing you do, you start with the sort of the happy path in terms of just understanding how it works. Then you understand the boundaries and then you go beyond the boundaries. Yeah. It's that sort of idea as yeah, well. Exactly. Cool. Awesome. Well, I think the experiment is going well so far. Um, let's try out song number two. So tell us a bit about that. So uh, the second song I chose was uh, by a friend of mine that I met. And it, the group name is American Watercolor Movement. And it's from, oh, it's got to be 15 or 18 years ago, quite a long while, a while ago. Um, and they're... Um, they're a group out of New Jersey. He originally uh, lived in New Jersey and they're a group that played for many, many years. And they're kind of, I, I don't know quite how to describe it if you had to give them a genre. Um, but there was, there's some sort of uh, kind of ambient groove to it. Um, it's lyrically really kind of weird. Like the, the vocal arrangements are kind of weird uh, in a cool way. Um, this particular song is called 152 Feet Below the Acropolis. Um, and, uh, and yeah, then I'll, I'll tell you uh, uh, about how I came to be introduced to this band after you listen to it. The essence reminded me of walking down the avenue on market day. Where they wrapped everything up with heartfelt desire. And the peddlers yelled out. We walk down unknown avenues, past kiosks, abandoned cafes, great theatre companies, original, I guess. One hundred and fifty-two feet below the Acropolis. That's where we met. That's where we met. So that was 152 feet below the Acropolis by American Watercolor Movement. So um, again, tell us the story. What does this remind you of? Uh, the the person behind this is kind of the trigger for me on this one because it's a fellow by the name of Brian Wilson who's the percussionist, the the drummer, and and does a lot of the Cubase work. And uh, giving him a shout out, he's uh, he's also works for a company called Dynatrace and uh, he's a podcaster as well. So he where he has a pure performance podcast and he's a Perf Bites podcaster guy. Um, that's a different story. The I met uh, Brian when I was doing a gig uh, working for Microsoft down in the labs down in Charlotte, North Carolina. I think he was working for like, a, I might even been back in the day, Weight Watchers, I think their website. And I'm, I was sort of a load runner guru guy. Uh, I don't want to, I don't, back then I don't think I knew as clearly as much as I know now, but that was my job was to kind of go to the labs and help people get stuff set up correctly, get the load testing tools, mimicking correctly, all the incompatibilities and stuff. 
And Brian was learning Load Runner at the time. And he were like, came, I, I was working on a gig in one room and he and the other team were in another lab. And I just walked over to the, Hey, can you come? We have some questions. Can you come, you know, look at the scripts and whatever. And I go in thinking I'm Mr. Huffy Puffy. I'm Mr. Big Shot guy, whatever. And, um, and Brian kind of blew me away. Like he, he really gets kind of the whole nuts and bolts, the whole thing. And I was like, wow, you're, you're doing great. Like, here's a few minor tips. And then, you know, I'll help you crank out a couple scripts. And we did some things. We really, really got, got on really well. And then I, we're just talking and I find out he's a musician. And I noticed on his load testing laptop, he also has Cubase installed and a bunch of other audio tools and weird synthesizer things and another guy. And I'm like, so this is, why don't I work on this gig? This is these guys. Um, so it was really fun. Um, and I ended up learning a bunch more about Cubase and sequencing and started seeing these correlations similar to the sort of Nick Barsh stuff. It's like, there's a correlation between the rhythm of, of putting together load tests and running stuff and talking to a percussionist about, you know, sequencing audio stuff. So it was really kind of cool. Um, so when I play this now in the playlist, it reminds me, uh, for me to not get ahead of myself. And I mean, like not get get in my own head about, you know, oh, I should be able to do this because I'm still constantly surprised by new technology or something I've never encountered before, something I'm challenged by. And there are other people um, who know different things than me at that time. And you're working for Microsoft. It's a big ego boost. And then, you know, you hopefully willfully encounter and open your mind still to, wow, well, I, I don't know this other stuff and I don't know this other stuff and, and, and really building good relationships and collaborating, which is a essentially good personality or good practice in your work, uh, in testing anyway. Um, so that's kind of the reminder here for this song is, is just who I was at that time and what I needed to grow and learn about being a good collaborator. And that, that's, that's really it. And I've, I've, continued to have a probably an 18 year friendship uh that evolved from that initial meeting uh and brian and i are fast friends I, I love him to death and he's a great podcaster audio engineer he's an amazing drummer they he even has new stuff coming out this many years later from the awm stuff so yeah that's a that's really that that's kind of where that song takes me in my career that's nice yeah, i like that i can empathize with the whole um yeah, thinking you're the you're the bee's knees, mm -hmm. keeping it clean. Yeah, um, <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah, thinking that you know you know everything and you've got all the answers to all the problems, and then moving into different contexts, and you you have those two options: either you just hit that resistance and try and push your mindset or your model onto a different context, and it just it just it it's painful and you'll end up getting frustrated and something will break or you go with that attitude of, I don't know what's going on at the moment. And I'm quite happy to be a sponge and just learn what's going on around me before, before even making any choices and yeah. stuff. And like having that attitude of, yeah, I don't, I don't know everything, but what I've so what you end up honing is not your skills in terms of like, so I think like in sort of wider sort of automation space. Yeah like working with ui automation you see a, i see a lot of people who are like i know this tool so therefore i will use this tool in every role that i have mm -hmm. whereas actually ha like honing the skills of more understanding like what the testability and automatability of a product is to choose the right tools yeah yeah makes you much more effective i, I think also there's um like to make a music a musical analogy there's, you know, when you come in and you do your thing, you're just a melody. I mean, even the mo biggest hopes of becoming a whole piece of music, a whole beautiful symphony, you're just a melody. And if you can learn to collaborate, you have a new appreciation for harmony. And when it sounds dissonant, you know, be sensitive to that and figure out how to work together. I see this with people that are just learning like mobbing. And, and I remember learning about mobbing, test bash, like, long ass time ago so uh t so to that to that end um you know learning how to be more harmonious in your work and be sensitive to when things are dissonant or things are out of sync and and that's 
honestly, because Brian's a musician and he's a percussionist, he's all about being in sync and then exploiting, uh, you know, asynchronous things. And then I'm like, oh, synchronous, asynchronous. Oh yeah, that's a load testing. No, no, wait, it's actual music terms. Anyway, it's good fun. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of um, a talk that Ashley Hunsberger gave um, at Selenium Conf in Berlin a few years back. And she was talking about how people who were, who, who sort of trained in the humanities space mm-hmm. um, tend to be more successful within software development than those in the sort of computer science background. And I think it's that sort of stuff. Like the amount of testers I've met who have a music background. I mean, we must have had like three or four on this podcast alone. Um but I do think that there's a lot of, like you say, that sort of being open, being collaborative, being improvisational, if that is a right way of saying that, mm-hmm. um, with with other people. Those sort of things that you learn, you don't learn them from, you don't, you know, those things are not necessarily taught in computer science yeah. courses. Um, and they are those, those, dare I use it, the word soft skills um, that you pick up from those things that you can actually sort of apply across in, in other spaces as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, w- I, should, I should say also that song, the album it's from is uh, uh, called And the Maps Came Down. Um, and uh, go check it out. You can still find parts of it. And if you can't find it, let me know. I'll put you in touch with Brian and he'll get you hooked up. All right, then. Well, I feel it's time to move on to song number three. So tell us a little bit about that one. Mark, do you speak Portuguese? Uh, no. Spanish? I barely speak English. <laughs> well, that's kind of the purpose of this next song. It, uh, um, the next one is uh, from Sergio Mendes and Brazil. Brazil. Uh, it's actually like the greatest hits 1966. And the one thing on the side is my wife was born in 1966. So that has a special place in my heart. Um, but there's a famous, famous song um, called Mascanada. Um, which I have absolutely no idea what it means. It's like much ado, much nothing, not, not has got to be nothing or something. And I've never really figured out what Masquinada is, except for like some reference in the Star Wars Force Awakens or something. There's like Mas, Masquinada was a character in the Star Wars, I think. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah, so g- give a listen to this. And, um, and to try, if anyone speaks Portuguese, of course, they can send in a translation of what it is. Este samba que me estou de maracatu É samba de preto bem o samba de preto do Mas que nada Um samba como esta That was Mas Canada by Sergio Mendes and Brazil. Again, hopefully did that right. <laughs> um, you were certainly putting me on the spot with the song choices this time. <laughs> it's a good challenge to learn new languages. Uh, speaking of which, this, this song kind of purposefully rem- reminds me when it comes around that um, I know programming languages that I know. And a lot of it was old, good old school ANSI C, C programming, a little bit of C++, a lot of C Sharp. And then as of recent, it's Java, it's Groovy, you know, just and straight up like just script kind of stuff. I would call them throwaway mm. script, but like bash programming, scripting um, and stuff. And that sometimes uh, you'll have something that feels good. And that song is, has this great swinging groove to it. It's very positive sound. Uh, and then you're listening to the lyrics and I have absolutely no idea what the language is. I don't know what it means. I don't know what this function is. I don't know what that call, what's that, what's, here's a gobbledygook encoded something that goes to an, you know, it's like, I don't even, I can't read this language, but I can feel the music and I can feel the meaning of it. Uh, and I, to me, when I'm doing load testing and things like that, uh, I I trust my intuition a lot when I'm like something doesn't seem quite right, and they're like, "Well, let's go look at the code," and I'm like, "Oh crap, I don't I don't know 
C++ that well, or I've never coded in COBOL. Um, and, and so, but I could still be like, well, I can see where this thing calls this thing. And then there's this, it looks like a data structure of some sort gets sent and I can see what that is. And then it's like, well, what is, and then I can start talking with the developer. I'm like, I, I don't really know what this interface is, but it's being loaded over and over and over again. And I'm not sure how do you do, and the, the minute you say like, well, if something's being class loaded or there's a database exchange here. The, the reminder in this song is that there is a feel to computing systems and how they operate and how they work when they're, when they're functioning in full speed. And there's a, there's a feel to them. And even though you might not know the language, you can still relate to other people and to even, I think, relate to what you see in front of you to say, oh, well, you know, I, programming language, structured or unstructured, object-oriented, I can still kind of see and feel how the code is moving if I start to look at it. And the next thing you know, you're like, you know what? I like this groovy. Well, I like groovy as a language just because it's groovy, man. Um, <laughs> and literally that was how far I went. And then I'm like, all right, I'll learn to program in groovy. Also, I'm allergic to semicolons. So line termination, <laughs> who needs it? Um, uh, and it's kind of cool. So learning groovy was that same kind of thing. I'm like, this is a lot like Java. And actually it's a lot like C. So I could kind of relate to it, but I didn't get exactly all of the tags and all the references. So this, this song kind of gives me that trigger in my mind that it's like, you may feel like you get it, but there's languages you don't understand. Don't be afraid of languages that you don't understand. It's pattern matching, isn't it? It's, mm -hmm. it's a case of you don't necessarily know the details, but you can see, you can see, you can pattern match the abstractions. So like you say, you don't know what that, that method or function call is yeah. or what it does, but if you've seen it 30 times, um, that's going to raise an alarm bell. Oh, totally, totally. And and you could see that uh, if you've ever at high levels in like in the front end, if you do like developer tools in a browser, you learn how browsers render stuff, a lot of JavaScript or a lot of resource loading and stuff. And you'll get kind of, these are really kind of the basics and standard stuff you see, uh, images, static content, JavaScript, things like that. If you start studying transport level, like with Wireshark or, or database profiling, and you're looking at the, again, there's a different pattern of how send and receive and send and receive and send and receive and traffic and data moves around the system. And the, the movement of data always has that great Sergio Mendez, jazzy 1966 kind of happening groove, I think. <laughs> I know I've seen people, when I was doing my master's in music, I saw someone built a tool which you could take a picture and based on the, the code that was used for each pixel would trigger off different instruments oh wow so you could load in pictures and then you could play the picture mm -hmm. I, i'm starting to wonder if we could do the same here we could like you know load up some network traffic and uh turn that into some sort of jam track of some kind oh yeah no i i like that this is what 300 transactions per second on oracle deep you know version 11 something something payment system this is what it sounds like <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing blast beats. I'm hearing a lot of blast beats. It's, it's Pat Metheny's noising, like in three, you know, four and a half hours of... Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Can't wait to hear that. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Well, I, I think, uh, yeah, like that, that whole pattern matching thing is, is something in... It's, it's something important to highlight to people um, who aren't necessarily comfortable with code, like constantly saying it but reading and writing code are very different things and it's the same thing you're like with music you know writing music is a very different beast to listening to music um you know like I, I used to get into quite a lot of arguments with um friends and family about like what was good music and what was bad music um and now i've sort of arrived at this point where it's, you, you know you could deconstruct something technically and say that is a very accomplished piece of music yeah. but then you could still listen to a pop song which in its own rights actually might have its own technicalities that made it very good, but you can just listen to it and go, that makes me feel something positive. Um, and therefore it has value in that way. And it's that same sort of thing of, you know, you can just look at those abstractions, look at those mm -hmm. pattern repeats and stuff and get some value from it 
or you can actually spend the time and analyze it in more detail and maybe see more of the nuances and learn that way. Yeah, completely, completely. But one way isn't right and one way isn't wrong. They're just different. Yeah, and you and you can you can let it lead you somewhere um, potentially that you that you've not sort of encountered before, and that that's what I like about. I have a few other albums that are in totally different languages. I think I have some in Norwegian. Um, I have some uh, Swedish. I don't, I don't speak any of those languages, but you know, it's it's it yeah. becomes an abstract thing to me because I don't know the language, but I'm like I'm still taking it. <laughs> yeah, I, I go back to what I was saying earlier about sort of picking up songs that people recommend it, on this podcast. Yeah. So uh, Stu Johnson recommended a song called New Hand Blies, yeah. um, and that's been playing a lot on my Spotify at the moment. And I have no idea why he's singing um, <laughs> to the point where I went off and had a look at the lyrics. And even then, I still didn't really understand it. Um, but the, like the repetition and the, the use of certain melodies and stuff in it, it, it hooks me in. So that's enough really for me. Yeah, yeah, totally. Cool. So, um, you know, I, I fear this is going to be a long one for listeners, but um, I don't care. I'm enjoying myself. Okay. Um, hopefully they are too. Yes, hopefully they uh, are. Hopefully you are still with us because we've got some more awesome songs to share. So let's let's go on to song number four and tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, are, it, there's, you can tell there's a few things in here that are, there's some pop stuff. There's some kind of avant-garde stuff. There's a weird instrumental. Uh, there's a really famous jazz uh, saxophonist by the name of Pharaoh Sanders. And Pharaoh Sanders has a long, long history. Uh, and he's played with a bunch of different people over the many, many years. And he's one of the sort of surviving jazz musicians um, that got through an era of uh, jazz music in the States and then went more international when it was cool to go in the international and lived through a period of time where jazz, you know, when Miles Davis went from, you know, classic uh, kind of blue classic jazz as you would master in that. And he, Miles turns in next thing you know, he's doing like Bitches Brew and some of these fantastic, more abstract fusion, the invention of fusion and the sound. Gosh, Coltrane, I think, uh, evolving out of that influenced Pharaoh Sanders as well. Maybe the other way around. If I don't know my history well enough, that's fine. Uh, but I got introduced to this by a fellow, um, a uh, named I forget Grant Grant Johnson maybe is a bass player upright uh, contrabass player that I did a completely improvisational recording of uh, from one of my wife's arts opening we we like got together and we're, I'll I'll play guitar weird slide stuff whatever and um, and he was going to play bass and we we're just going to like hang out at the art opening and do this and he's i'm like we were getting to know one another and he's like what do you what do you want to play and i'm like well just to improvise let's just make something up he goes yeah well you know i've been listening to this pharaoh sanders album called astral traveling and uh give it a listen to and then i'll tell you kind of what that led to was astral traveling by pharaoh sanders so again tell us about it <laughs> what never very good at these setups that's it's totally fine because there isn't really a setup for something you were talking in the previous song about sort of abstraction and pharaoh sanders stuff is part of an era of improvisational jazz uh particularly around saxophone and horn you know horn section instruments and arrangements and things um, but it's to me, the concept that Grant introduced me to was the idea. And I think he was kind of a high on, like he was into like smoking a lot of weed and, but not, not, you know, when we were doing our thing. So, um, 
so it was kind of cool whereas he he was into that aspect of sort of hallucinogenic mind expansion and for me i just wanted i just ate up the music and so i listened to this album before we did our jam um and and or did our little gig at the opening and it it's a really really total different songs different sections there's no like thematic you can't like listen it from one beginning to the end of an album it goes all over it travels all over the place and there's like solo noisy g- grindy squealy saxophone track and then there's this astral traveling which has this sort of hey we're on a journey together but it you don't really know where it's going to go you have to allow yourself to like not just think through one direction you have to be open to different levels of thinking in your work and when i'm testing and this song comes on i'm like remember mark there's there's the top of the stack and then there's the middle framework and then there's the operating system then the operating system interfaces with the hardware the hardware has multiple levels of interfacing that's the vertical kinds of stack the different levels from the astral plane all the way down to the physical realm uh, power, cooling, electricity, iron, metal, silicon, you know, the actual physical properties wow. that we deal with. So then I also think about the horizontal aspect of the architecture as well. Again, different layers from the front to the back of a system. So from like the web presentation layer, rendering, time spent there, uh, making message calls into a messaging system, web server, app server, uh, you know, identity, login, encryption levels that you have to do. And then from the app server, you're doing other processing, obviously multiple different data stores you could have on the back end, making calls to external layers outside the firewall or outside the, in the cloud. So I think of the horizontal layers as well. So this song always reminds me, and the more you listen to, the more I listen to this song, there are definitely whole different layers uh, in music, you're always layering an arrangement and finding space to fit. There's, it, it's actually a very dense song when you finally hear all the arrangement, but it has this sweet kind of flow to it. Um, and uh, so this just always triggers me in my mind that like my thinking linearly like goes, I'm find a needle in a haystack. It's got to be this API call, this store procedure, this call, and always remind myself that it's not maybe not a linear path that that gets there right it's not just the longer and longer hours you keep drilling down you need to take time back up remind yourself that there's other layers involved there might be other things as a precedent or a dependency to different stuff and so that's that's where astral traveling i've never really traveled to the astral plane but this is i think as close as i can get to it in in a in an architectural system there's a couple of things there that like pop to mind the first one is just a silly one which is like when you were talking about like electricity and heat um i always think about like those youtube videos of people showing like uh performance uh graphs of their servers and then they like shout at them or they like put a microwave near them and you see you watch the performance dip just because you've made them rattle a little bit or something like that yeah and there's that always like you know we we talk so much about software we sometimes forget about the fact that it still exists in the physical world mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah and it, and even in your mobile device right you yeah. people forget that there's a battery and they're like oh i can use infinite battery no batteries are not infinite <laughs> yes yeah that uh, daniel knott did um a little mobile course for us like an introduction to yeah. mobile testing and he does a great one where he's talking just purely about all the hardware devices and uh, mobile testing is not a space that i've done a lot in so i was quite it was quite an eye-opener for myself to sort of see like oh yeah actually there are all these like your your physical presence matters probably more in mobile testing than it does with desktop based mm-hmm. stuff um so i thought that was really fascinating yeah yeah exactly the other thing that kind of popped to my mind as well, and it's it's almost like a sort of realizing a sort of connection between music and testing for myself is that most of the music I like is kind of similar, I imagine, to astral traveling in that it's quite dense. There's a lot going on mm-hmm. um, and that those abstractions are not necessarily very clear to discover. And it's only through sort of repeat listenings that you discover these things. So I, I always love listening to music where you know, if I listen to it on a different set of speakers, I can actually hear something new that I've not heard before when I've listened to it, like maybe on my headphones mm-hmm. and I find that really satisfying. Yeah. But for some people it can be quite overwhelming. Oh, sure. You know, you're just basically throwing a wall of noise at them. 
So I think about like, you know, all those things you just said about what we need to consider about the things that we test. There's something in that about being hit with like a wall of software and a wall of hardware and having that challenge of unpicking all of that and discovering it and making sense of it in your own way. Yeah. it's, yeah. it's, I'm definitely seeing a sort of correlation between the two for myself. Yeah, yeah. It, this is the kind of song f- for me that as a, it, not only is it a reminder that there's a wall, a density, there's many things going on that all relate to one another horizontally, vertically, et cetera, but it's also this traveling part, right? I'm, I'm going through all of the things. I'm not just going to let them let them, I'm not just standing here getting attacked by them. I'm actually on a journey. And maybe I have a cooperative journey as I learn one component, it introduces me to the next component and it introduces me to yet another uh, layer and another thing. And so the traveling part of that groove, which is very inviting, it's kind of infectious and kind of has a sweet kind of melody to it. I like, and, but again, like it'll, it'll just keep me going like, Hey, let's go a little further. Let's peel the onion again. Let's go a little, a little bit deeper. What's under here. Let's go see stuff. So I like the, the inviting traveling part, uh, of, of that song. I think that, I think as a composer, that piece definitely invites you to go on a journey with him. Cool. Well, I'm going to definitely give that a proper, proper listen, um, in the future and see what, uh, what I end up picking out of it as well myself. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, um, yeah, I think it's probably a good point to talk about song number five and tell your last, share your last story. Yeah. Uh, this one, I hope we don't uh, have somebody come after us illegally to find this. Um, and I don't know whether it's a bootleg or not, but all licensing wise, I'm not sure. Uh, rest in peace, the master of purpleness, Prince himself. Um, one of the sort of, I don't want to say it's a bootleg. I guess it was released, but it's like a kind of an underground release called um, C-Note. And I think it was like Copenhagen. The C is Copenhagen um, from one of the tours. And it's a song called Nagoya. I think it's called, again, here, even words for me, Nagoya. It means something to someone in another language, I'm sure. Uh, But it's a really cool instrumental groove um, with a bunch of different stuff going on. Um, and I can, I, I, I will tell you more about it after you listen to this very, very cool group. So that was Nagoya by Prince. So you mentioned groove there. I'm starting to feel like there's there's a pattern between these stories it's of a theme. rhythm. There's definitely a yeah, definitely a theme pattern abstraction um, of rhythm. Is is that going to come up again in this one? Uh, very much so. Um, and not just groove. I'm I as a guitar player, I'm a rhythmic player. I like being in the pocket, being in the groove, as you say, and uh, and. I also enjoy because of the collaboration part of working together with wh- whoever else is kind of holding down the groove in something. And there's a lot in for me to be to maintain focus and interest for a long time in the work. Uh, that to me, you got to get kind of sucked in by, yeah, I'm really getting in the groove. There's this phrase uh, that my wife introduced me to, I think from her cousin. Uh, somewhere who was a surfer he's like a surfer dude he was younger and he referred to this idea that you're in the tube it was like what do you mean in the tube he goes oh yeah it's like when you're surfing you know the tube and like oh yeah but he's like yeah but it's not just that it's the tube it's like 
you're completely surrounded by water, but you can still breathe. Hmm. I was like, okay, man. <laughs> so, we, so that became our euphemism for like getting into the focused work and, and hours on end. My wife's an abstract artist. She's also with the other parts of her expansive mind. She does policy work at an institution at university level. She's got a PhD, all this kind of super brain stuff, but she's also an abstract artist and cranks the music and gets in the studio and just works on compositions and layers and things. So we both have this appetite for intensity, uh, driven by a lot of sound. Um, she, she cranks up music. I crank up the, my own music where I'm jamming along and working on things like, like you were saying as well. So yeah, groove is definitely part of it. Now the Prince thing, I grew up in Minnesota, so this is like, I don't think we like were hockey rivals or anything like that. Like I, he's older than I was, uh, mm. by enough. I, I never met him in my life, but you know, you're from Minneapolis area. You're like, oh yeah, I know Prince. No, you don't know Prince. Um, <laughs> and now you never know. But, uh, but the idea being there were elements of, of in this particular composition, there's some things happening in his life, in his span where he had, you know, obviously all the pop hits, all the top of the charts, there's Prince, the artist, then there was the artist formerly known as Prince. And there were all these other tours and a lot of after show releases. And of course now posthumously, there's a lot of interesting catalogs and things that you'll find, uh, coming from his from the Paisley Park and from from where all of that uh, all the label is gone, so this is one of those examples. But it comes from an era where he's collaborating with Maceo Parker, famous uh, saxophonist. Uh, Eric Leeds is also a saxophone player, percussionist. Sheila E. Uh, I don't know the rest of the band; it's not all listed there. But he always had a mixture of different cool bass players, uh, keyboard players, or organs. Uh, great horn section. And what I liked about the evolution of this song, and I have, I, I think it's one of those sort of modular, uh, not modal jazz, but like, mo I call it like modular jazz, where we kind of, I, I, another person I follow, I'm going to take a tangent, come back, sidetrack. There's a guy named Wayne Krantz, who's a guitar player in New York City. Uh, and I've seen him multiple times. He teaches a former Berkeley guy. And he has a book out called the, uh, the Improvisers OS Operating System. And he teaches this way of improvising where, you know, as a band, you, got, you know the key you're in, you know kind of the modality you're working in, and you kind of work together. You don't really call out notes. There's no lead sheet or anything. But there is definitely the idea of, oh, yeah, there's that, that song, you know, we do. Yeah, let's, you know the one. And there's probably an offhand name like Nagoya. There's that, that jam we came up with in Japan, the Nagoya, Japan, as you pointed out. Mm. So maybe Nagoya was just a backstage or like, hey, we got into this groove and let's go find that groove again. Let's find it in a different way, maybe in a different key. Let's find that same feel. Let's find that same inspiration as we bring that in. And it combines all these famous musicians because he, he was at, Prince was at a point in his career where he was collaborating and writing with all of the biggest names around. And some great musicians, musicians, you know, what I mean? you know, like people who are like, that guy's a super player, um, he or she. Uh, Candy Dolfer is another saxophonist that he plays with, mind-blowing uh, saxophone player. And I, she may be on this track for all I know. Uh, but that's what I like about this is reminding yourself that you can combine these different elements. Oh, yeah, there's this expert thing I know here and there's another person she she knows this stuff really well and this guy knows that stuff really well and I can kind of hey you guys remember when we got together and we came up with that thing for this test we did or we put together remember the workload test we can do you remember how that how we did that do you remember how such and such and you're like oh yeah yeah oh I'm free I've got a couple hours let's you know let's collaborate on it let's put together a session and and do some work on that so the thing about this groove is just remembering that there are different pieces and you could call on them from memory to say something worked really well. Let's see if we can get back to that solution that this seems similar to. I think we need something like this. I need a, a person with this skill and a person with that skill and a person with this sort of talent, uh, this leadership quality, this technical quality. Let's pull those things together and kind of do a collaboration on, on a project or even on like an emergency SWAT team performance stuff, which we see all over the place. Uh, and you pull those things together. So I, I like it 
as an instrumental group, but mostly I like it for the modularity of how the different pieces got pulled together to make that sound uh, happen. And go check out Wayne Krantz because he's awesome. Oh, sneaking an extra one in there. <laughs> I'll allow it. I'll allow it this time. Um, yeah, like when you're talking about that whole sort of teams working together and experts in certain areas, um, you know, bringing their own sort of, yeah, bringing their own skill sets, bring their own flavor to the blend. Yeah. It reminds me of like what we were talking about earlier about, I think the first step of that is that sort of kind of almost getting over yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing what your strengths are, knowing what your weaknesses are, knowing that you like honing those skills of finding out who is good at what um, when you're when you're starting new projects, of course. Yeah. Um, but like making making sense of who your squad is, who's your team, who you're like, who are you working with, so that then when you come to those points where you're like, I've got this idea, but I I can't actualize it myself. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, you pull those people in who have the necessary skills, but you don't. You do it in a way that's not, I have an idea and I want you to implement it. It's like, I have this idea and I think it's going to be this, but I accept that it may change, but it may change for the better. Um, yeah. And, and and yeah, just having that sort of openness to want to sort of work with others as well. Yeah. You, and you brought up quite a bit the, the, the word improvise. And I think when you reach a level, especially if you're a consultant of some kind, even not like formal a consultant person, right? If you're just advising or helping, assisting, participating in, in sort of an initiative of some kind, and you improvise because you adapt to the context, how you work, how you communicate adapts. Um, and if you remember somebody that was like, oh, they're really good talking to uh, really young new programmers, and kind of motivating them. Here's another person that's like, you're really good at getting single malt scotch and talking to the mainframe guys. And you're really good at like, you know, shining on the management so that they don't bother us too much while we're trying to get work done. I mean, you, you get, you, people have different feels and different different ways of improvising. And and that's what I like. Hey, we're going to put a put a jam together, put a band together. But it's a, it's a technical team. It's, a, it's an improvised team. Uh, and I kind of like that aspect of it. Awesome. Well, I think that uh, each one of those songs has definitely taken us down some some good rabbit holes. Yeah. Um, and but I do I do think like like we say we talked about the idea of of rhythm being something in terms of the rhythm of your work, the almost like understanding the heartbeat of the the products that you're working yeah, with. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, also talking about that sort of improvisational element. And the fact is, is that every situation is different. So we have to react in different ways mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think it's it's cool to see that those sort of themes travel throughout these these different genres and these sort of different stories that you've told. Yeah, cool. Um, I'd love to carry on talking about these and, you know, just pick another 20 songs and then throw some of my own in the mix. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, we do have to bring it to an end. You have a choice of one book to take with you to the desert island. So, what's it going to be? So, I'm I'm gonna I, because I can't take two books, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm afraid so. I can't. Take you've two. already got one artist in. I don't think you can have. Well, you've already got an extra artist in. I don't think you can sneak extra books I, in. Either. I got. I referenced actually two different artists because because oh, you snuck one past me as well. I didn't even realize. Yeah, that. no, That's the true. American Water Brian Wilson, not the Brian yeah. Wilson, but Brian Wilson is the guy on American Water. So he's still an anyway. So uh, since I snuck that, I I'm gonna sneak in a reference to a book that inspired me to do another thing with another book. Now, in and I'm gonna connect it to testing. Are you ready? Go for it. All right, our our good scholar mentor, uh, the uh, uh, scholars and mentors. Uh, in testing Jonathan, uh, James Bach and John Bach, uh, who have, are famous authors in their own right, in their own ways, um, uh, the famous Buccaneer scholar that he may be, their father uh, or half-father, what, their half-brothers or whatever, however it worked out, was a guy named Richard Bach who famously wrote Jonathan Livingston Siegel. So the Jonathan Livingston Siegel, which I remember as a kid reading this book, that was like, you know, it's like a kid story, but it's a sort of, I want to say it's sort of a, a fantasy kind of story where, you know, animals could talk and stuff like that, um, which is cool. There's another book he wrote later in his life called Illusions, uh, The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah. And it's uh, when I was in my 
20s in college, my roommate, you know that thing where you like, you don't lend a book, you give a book. You always like, mm. I'm, I'm taking the power of what I learned from this book and I'm sort of imbuing the gift to you. You always gift a book. And yeah. so my roommate, Chris, in college gifted me Illusions, The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah. And of course, the only thing you do in paying it forward is that when you've sort of finished Maybe you read it two, three times. Maybe you take notes, a little dog ear, a little notes in the margin kind of thing. You then find the right moment to pass a book of this kind of import and meaning on to the next person, which I did. So I would say uh, a book, just because of the spirit of gift, if I were the alone on a desert island, I wouldn't be able to pay it forward to anyone else. But I'd want to remember what it meant to be able to do that. Um, and the book that I would do for someone else, which I've already done to my friend Jeremy, um, is a is Victor Wooten's book, the the music lesson. He has a book called the the music lesson: a spiritual search for growth through music. Victor is a, a raconteur of his own right. He does like tracking woodland animals and things. <laughs> He's really? not just an awesome bass player who played with Prince, by the way. It all comes full circle, um, and so Victor has this fantastic book, which is the music lesson. And I actually, I had gotten the book and it meant a great deal to me. Um, and it changed my thinking about my own journey. Uh, when you're a young musician, you have stars in your eyes and you're like, I'm going to be a great guitar player. I'm going to be a great something. And then all of a sudden you get turned on to testing technology, life, marriage, children, family, everything. And you wake up and you're 50 years old and you're like, you know what? Music for me is something different. And it, my journey is different than somebody else's journey. And so the music lesson kind of opened my mind to music, you know, serving its higher purpose uh, in, in whatever way I needed it to and reciprocate that by giving this book signed with inscription, you know, best wishes to my friend Jeremy and sent it on. So I, if I could, I would wish that book to come with me because it meant a great deal to me as well. It reminds me of the, the spirit or the meaning of giving forward uh, a book or something meaningful to you, to another person. Excellent. I don't think anyone's taken like people choose a book, but you've chosen a specific book, like a specific <laughs> print of a book, which I think is, <laughs> is taking, uh, taking it to its extreme. But, uh, you know, you wouldn't expect anything different from a performance tester, would you? No, there's things underneath the things that you thought were the things you were, <laughs> right? They're always there. There's always another. And down at the bottom, as you pointed out, there's power. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, uh, we'll add that. Obviously not that copy, but we'll uh, put a reference to that in our Goodreads collection, which you can find in our podcast notes. And also we'll try and add some of the songs. Um, but as you've said, yourself, Mark, like it might be tricky to find some of these to add to our Spotify playlist. So we will try and put them on. If not, we'll put references to them in the podcast notes as well. Yeah. Um, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. And like I said, I, I could just, well, and we have talked hours and hours and hours about music. Um, so, you know, if you ever see the two of us waffling on at um, a test bash and want to talk music, do come join us. Yeah. Um, all that's left for me to sort of ask you is, um, you know, is there anything you would like to plug? Um, is there any ways to people can get in touch with you in the future? that you'd like to share? Uh, I'll just give my uh, uh, warmest regards to everyone in the community that listens to Test and Island Disc like I do. Uh, it does open my mind to, to, uh, to understand my colleagues and understand our community better. Uh, for me personally, there's a lot of, you know, virtual conferences and stuff that have been happening. The Test Bash Home, um, you know, is, is uh, at, when this finally goes live, it'll, it'll have gone. But uh, there's going to be other virtual conferences. I just say just tune in to... Uh, the Twitter feed. I've got the at perf Sherpa performance Sherpa. Thank you, Joe Colantonio for the coined phrase of that. Uh, you can find us on perf bites. I'll just say we've now got the perf bites, four different podcasts, one in Espanol. Gracias. See, si. uh, my friend Leandro does that. Uh, and we've got the news of the dam. So check out perf bites. If you want to go have fun doing performance stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll just, uh, everyone stay safe and we'll see you in the ethers. Well, all that's left for me to say is uh, goodbye, um, and it's goodbye from Mark. And goodbye from Mark. Testers Island Discs is brought to you by Ministry of Testing. Written and produced by Mark Winteringham. Created by Neil Studd. 
theme music by Green Day. Follow us on Twitter at Testers Island.